Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, get your Bibles out, turn to Lamentations 3. We are in part two of our series. We're taking this month and looking at relationships. This is a month that really the the world kind of highlights it in some regard. And so let me stop before I go any farther and saying, men, Tuesday's Valentine's. Listen to your pastor. I'm here to help you. I'm here to be a blessing to you guys. Ladies, come on, I need a big amen on that one. Come on. All right, there you go. I always tell my wife, it's my Valentine's too, but then I got, you know, did you get something for the girls? Did you do all that? And so, you know, this month has kind of looked at the world as, I don't know, just a relationship kind of picture. But can I say they have a different picture than God's picture? And so last week we talked about that. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, as we're talking about relationships, open up and listen to what the word of God has to say, uh, because his word works. And I just want to say that, you know, I know that there's a lot of different ideas out there. And in the world today, the marriage relationship is under attack for sure. And so when we look at things statistically, we see that half of all marriages end in divorce and the statistics for Christian marriages aren't really any different. They're not that much better, to be honest with you. There's such a slight difference there. It's not even really noticeable or it really any need to acknowledge that. But I think that we as believers have something better, and that is the word of God, the Holy Spirit in us, and the power of God to fulfill that, to do uh, what he asks us to do. Because it really looks like success in marriage or a happily ever after is improbable, like the odds are stacked against you. And I might say to you, or I want to say to you today, it might seem improbable, but it's not impossible, amen? Because through God, all things are possible. We just need to figure out how to get out of the 50-50 pile that the, that the the world finds itself in and many Christians, in fact, just marriage in the whole, as a whole, and better our odds and do what the word of God says to give you and I better odds. And it just makes sense because after all, really God created the marriage institution, not man. And so we need to go to the creator for what he created to find his principles as he intended it to be. And so we're looking at that. Uh, I want to uh, thank everybody that came out Friday night and Saturday to the EXO marriage simulcast. What a great event that was. Amen. 150 people, 75 couples want to let you know that take advantage of those things as we bring them uh, to give you tools to equip you. I know it didn't work for everybody. Uh, we have a Sunday morning, nine o'clock, married for life group that meets, and then we have great, uh, ch- not, I don't want to say childcare, children's ministry rather, for your children during that time. And so you can come and again, be further equipped in marriage, uh, things concerning your marriage. And then also, you know, this series and other things that we provide for you. Um, before we get started, I, I, we put up a hashtag wedding. Uh, TOL, TOL wedding pics, and I got some great pictures, and I want to get some more in, but I just appreciate everybody that responded. There's a lot of them. I just picked a couple of them. Let's take a look. Here's one. He's like, no, I don't want to leave the reception. I don't want to leave the reception. I don't know why. She's ready to go. So anyways, I have no idea who these people are. That's the point behind the disguises there, but I thought that was a great pic. Sounds like a fun reception. Uh, here's another one. Here's Cody and Christy right there. They're wedding. Way to go, Cody. Finally put a ring on it. There you go. Put a ring on it. Good job, Pastor Cody. Okay. And then in honor of our installation of our new pastors, here we go. <laughs> now that you're pastors, there's really nothing you can do about that. But there you go. 
All right. Hey, so it's, we still want to look at the next couple of weeks at some great funny pics, or if you have something you want to send us, you can uh, hashtag TOL wedding pic, and that would be great, and they'll, they'll uh, take that, and we'll take a look at it, and we'll embarrass you in front of everybody. Hey, uh, so fun stuff. Listen, we're, we're talking about conflict today, how to resolve conflict, because if you have a relationship, there is conflict. And I know I hear people say, not us, Pastor Don, we love each other. We're in love. We don't have conflict. And I want to say, are you breathing? Are you alive? Okay, then you have conflict. And it's just our human nature. It's just part of uh, life. And it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing. Um, it is something I think that we can learn to manage better than the world does. Um, in fact, you know, I heard it, this, you may have heard this before. Someone said, marriage is like a deck of cards. It starts out with two hearts and one diamond. And by the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. <laughs> I just said, thought that was kind of funny. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. Uh, <laughs> but conflict seems to be inevitable because you're putting two people together. But God has a different approach than the world has. Let's take a look at a couple of things that create conflict. And we all would agree, I think, on these four things. Uh, number one, uh, poor communication. I mean, communication, we need to be better communicators. Certainly we do. Most conflict really begins with something small. Really, it does. And then it is piled on by the words we speak. And I think at the end, we realize, are you serious? We really had this based out of that? Or it all started with that? And we just keep escalating it with our words. Uh, and the Bible says, though, we need to realize that there's life and death in the power of the tongue that we're responsible for every idle word. And it talks about our tongue uh, having great power to build up or tear down. It talks about our, our tongue having power like the rudder on a ship, it will direct the course of life. It talks about our tongue that can, that can just be a spark that can start a forest fire, the power that's there. And again, you're held accountable for every idle word, so don't use it to, to tear down. And men, don't use it to bully or to intimidate. Um, we need to build up, we need to be careful. And and reason why is because things get away from us in the heat of the moment. I I, I experienced that, and, and we all can experience that. And But when you get in the middle of an argument, it's easy to let something fly that you can't take back. And in fact, just the other week, I, I had one of those uh, discussions with one of my daughters, and I just, oh, I still just repented, repented. I wish I wouldn't have got to that point, but we all can get there. We need to be be careful. In fact, it's like the man in the middle of an argument that took it to the next level and he said to his wife, I can't believe you can be so beautiful and so stupid at the same time. That's pretty terrible, right? So she responded, well, let me explain. God made me beautiful so you'd be attracted to me and God made me stupid so I'd be attracted to you. <laughs> I've been laughing for three days at that one. All day, all day. I just, I just think about it and laugh. That's awesome. Uh, so let's take a look at Psalms 141. Psalms 141. <laughs> oh, oh I, skipped, I skipped over something. We'll get there in just a minute. Psalms 141. Set a guard over my mouth. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You know what he's saying here? It's like your mouth, you can open it and close it, right? Keep your mouth shut, right? There's times you open it and close it. You have the ability to do that. But notice how he starts out. He's asking God to set a guard over my mouth. So when you find yourself in that opportunity to have conflict, you don't go to that person first. You go to God first. Is this not giving us the order there? When you have an opportunity for conflict, you go to God first. And you go there and you ask him, Lord, before I engage in this, please set a guard over my mouth. Be careful with the words that you say, the words that you speak, it's important. Um, we need to go to God first. That's where we ask the Lord to put a guard over our mouth. A second, we'll talk about this um, cause, unfulfilled expectations. We spent some time last week on that. Unfulfilled expectations. This is where anger begins. Anger begins when needs aren't met, expectations aren't met, things are unfulfilled. We expect something that didn't happen. James 4, 1 through 2 says this. 
What causes fights and quarrels among you? You wanna know? Okay, I'll tell you. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have. It didn't happen the way you wanted or expected. So you kill, you covet, but cannot get what you want, unmet expectations, and so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So we have unmet expectations, things that never happened, that we, we, we can, it can create within us frustrations and fighting and arguing. And honestly, we need to be careful because really what we're talking about here, because it goes on to say this, you don't have those things because you didn't go to God and ask for it. And the reasons why we have expectations that are so high is because we're expecting things from people that only God can give you. We expect things from our spouse that only God can give you. And the, the reason why we have quarrels and frustrations and, and fighting, what it talked about there, is because we went to the wrong place and we're holding people to a standard only God can be in our life. And no one can live that way. Number three, reason for conflict is despising differences. All of us are different. I know that, we're all different, and when we get together, the thing that was different at one point in us that we're attracted to now can irritate you. Can I say things change over time? We talked about this a little bit last week. That's why, ladies, when you talk about, oh, he's the one for me, he's so laid back, and he's just so relaxed, and nothing really gets him wrong. 10 years later, you're saying, he's lazy, he's a bump on a log, he's a couch potato. And then, ladies, when you, when you talk about your man, oh, or men, when you talk about your lady, it's like, oh, she's so organized. She has it all together. She knows exactly what she wants. 10 years later, she's bossy and a control freak. It's like things change over time, and we have to understand that God puts us together for a reason. People are different. People are different. You're hot. She's cold. Can I tell you, and I, I can sleep in the coldest day in winter with no blankets on me, and she has every blanket in the house piled high on her. You can't, it's like a mountain over there. And then, if that's not bad enough, she sticks her ice cold feet underneath me. What do you do? Don't do that. And then, so, so we're different that way. That's just how we are. Some want to save, some want to spend, some, uh, some want to spank, some want to ground. We're just different. We're wired that way. My wife and I can be completely opposite in so many ways. In fact, it's always fun to be around Joe McGee, and he'll be here again uh, this year. But Joe's always like, we're talking to Joe, he's like, you guys are opposites, and he's laughing. And finally one time, he's like, you guys are complete opposites. And I said, I know, can you fix her? And he said, no, you're perfect. That's the way God intended. Because we don't need two of you. We don't need two of me. We can't accomplish anything. I heard somebody say it this way. We don't don't need 11 football fans. We don't need 11 320-pound guys on the field. We only need four or five of them. Because we need one skinny guy that can run real fast. And one guy that can throw the ball. It's like, that's a team. That's how a team works. Look what Jesus said in Mark 3.25. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. It's important we understand how to healthfully resolve conflict to better our odds, to get us out of the world's pile and get us to better odds with God because we cannot continue to maintain a divided house. We need to understand these things and apply them. Let me give you the last one, the sin nature. We all have a sin nature. And so let's just be honest. We live in a fallen world. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. And we want grace for our own shortcomings but we hold everyone else to a different standard. It's like we want this from God or other people. Hey, where's the grace? But yet we're not as apt to give that at times. Romans 3.23, New Living Translation says this, for everyone, say everyone, 
everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. None of us are perfect. We're human. Don't expect people to always get it right. We don't always get it right. Four ways to deal with conflict. My way, right? That's kind of our mindset. We can deal with it my way. And let me say this, guys. Listen, we don't go around the house saying, I'm the boss, I'm the dad, I'm the husband, submit, get in line. Doesn't necessarily always work. But nor do we do it your way, right? Some of us will be a your way kind of person where it's just for the sake of peace, we'll give in every time. Well, we'll do it your way. Okay, okay, we'll just do it your way then, even though we're miserable on the inside. And there's the halfway. We'll do it halfway. Sometimes we'll do it your way. We did it your way last time. We'll do it my way this time. That half the time, my way, half the time, your way. That means we're only mad 50% of the time. (laughs) And then there's God's way. And really, that's what we want. In order to get out of the 50-50 pile, we want better odds. We need to find God's way. And that's really the hope and heart. And in fact, that's what we charge Pastor Rob with. We want God's way. We want God's word. We want being led by the Holy Spirit. That's what we hope to bring every Sunday, every Wednesday, every meeting, every uh, life group, every time we meet, we want to give you God's way. Why? Because we want to better our odds of having things work in our life for a happily ever after. It means we go to him and we let him do a work in us. You know, Romans 12 too is a great passage of scripture, New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world because you'll just stay in this 50-50 pile and you wonder why your odds aren't any better. You cannot do the things and follow the patterns of the world and expect to get different results, results than the world. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform. I love it, it says, but let God. That means God is wanting to, God is trying to, but you're not letting him. Oh, pastor, I'm letting him. Not if you're following the customs and, pastors, and the customs of this world, patterns of this world. He's wanting to work in your life and bring transforming power. He wants to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We cannot think and operate by, I don't care what the world says about marriage. I don't care how the the world legislates marriage. We care what God says. We don't think like the world thinks. We think like God thinks because that thought process then becomes a transforming process. Our mind is renewed with the word. We're transformed daily by the word. And it gives us better odds, which is what we want. Then, and after you have a transforming, getting closer to God, getting closer to God, so you start thinking like he thinks, you start acting like he acts, speaking like he speaks, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect, or fulfilling. That's what we want when we want on our relationships. We want good relationships. We want, when it says perfect relationships, it means complete, fulfilling, satisfying. That's what we want. But it's gonna take you and I getting closer to God to do that. And let me go on to, if I'm gonna throw these guys a curveball, going back to our Lamentations passage of scripture that is really our theme throughout the course of the series. Jeremiah's in a lament because he keeps thinking about the past. It's like, man, I just can't get it right. I'm making mistakes, I'm dwelling on the past. And, but then he gives, us, he gives us a turning point and he says, don't just dwell there. He says, here's how you, how you have hope. And can I say this morning, if you have no hope, it's because you're continuing to live in the past, but God is a God of the new, amen? God is a God of a new. And here's what he says. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, change the way you think and therefore I have hope. 
If you think different, you'll have hope. Some of us have no hope because we keep thinking like the world. Well, what's our hope? Our hope is because of the Lord's great love. The Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions or mercies never fail. In fact, they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, amen? God is a faithful God. Can I tell you today, right here, right now, his mercy is new every morning for you. Uh, his mercy's new this morning for you. His mercy's new right now because of his great love. Don't think that because you've made these mistakes, it's always gonna be this way. It's never gonna change. I'm never gonna be able to come out of this. Have hope because God is a good and faithful God and he makes all things new. You start right here. You start right here today and live life forward. Ecclesiastes gives us a great picture. Ecclesiastes 3. One and, and this is the beginning of, you'll remember the old song, I think by the birds, every, you know, every season, turn, turn. There's a time, that's way before my time. I know some of you guys are nodding their head. I'm like, okay, I know when you, when you, how old you are. No, I'm just kidding. There's a time for everything and a season under, uh, for every activity under the heavens. A time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to live, a time to die. You get all that. And then it goes on to say this in verse five, which is very interesting. It says, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. It kind of seems out of place. It doesn't really kind of flow with the song anyways, right? It doesn't seem like it fits there, but it's a really beautiful picture because what it's talking about scattering was talking about throwing or using them in a certain way rather than gathering them together. And really it comes out of a passage of scripture in Genesis, a beautiful story about a man named Jacob and he was looking for a wife and so he found this woman, Rachel. And Rachel was just, he captivated him and like, that's the one for me. So he went to Rachel's dad and said, I'd love love to marry your daughter Rachel and her dad Laban said you can marry her but you need to work for me for seven years which can I say I think about implementing that with my two girls but anyways that's a whole nother story you're gonna work for me for seven years I'm, just, I'm, I'm sorry Callie you can work for me for seven years and then you'll have Rachel. And so on the wedding night, the dad tricks him and slips Leah, the oldest daughter, in, his play, in her place. And then so the next day, and it's the next day after the honeymoon, he realizes, whoops, this is not Rachel. And so uh, she, he goes, that's a whole nother message. He goes to Laban then and says, that's, right, that's maybe a men's breakfast, I don't know. And so uh, he, goes, <laughs> he goes to Laban and says, hey, wait, we're, I, I, I was supposed to get Rachel and you gave me Leah. And he said, well, we have a custom here that no one gets married until the oldest gets married. And Leah was the oldest. So it's like, how do I get Rachel? You got to work another seven years. Okay. Rachel must have been amazing. So he works another seven years. And then he changed the rules again. Laban changed the rules again. He doesn't get Rachel after now 14 years. Another six years go by and Jacob's like, I'm done. I'm not doing this any longer. I'm mad. I'm upset. You keep changing the rules. And so he takes in the middle of the night, he takes all his people and he takes off. And the next morning Laban realizes they're gone. And so he pursues, he's mad now. And so he pursues Jacob. And so all of a sudden they come to this point where Jacob's like, okay, man, Laban's right there, hot on our heels, and there's gonna be a fight. And so we see this, this scripture here in Genesis 31, 46, and here's what he says. Here's what Jacob says. He said to his relatives, those that are in pursuit of him, gather some stones. So they took the stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. What is that a picture of? That is a beautiful picture of Jacob taking a moment instead of taking stones that he would have, in, in people's estimation, every right to throw or scatter at Laban. We're gonna have a battle here, and you've deceived me, you've lied to me, you've cheated me, you've hurt me, I don't trust you, and those stones that we carry around that we so wanna throw at other people because hurt people, right? 
It says that he put them and created, and when it says gather them, then when you see that in the scripture, it means he made an altar. And when you see where he made an altar, he took all those stones, made an altar unto the Lord with his family, and he said, let's not fight, let's go and give this unto the Lord. And he took those stones of anger and hate and hurt and pain that were real, and instead of throwing them at the people that made him mad or hurt him, he gave them unto the Lord. He says, I'm building an altar right here, God, and I'm surrendering to you. I'm giving this to you. We're not gonna fight and have conflict. We're giving this to you, God. And I, can, I just want to say, God will take what you will give him from you when you create a moment, an altar moment, and release that unto the Lord. Some of us have been carrying around stones for years. We've been carrying around stones from broken marriage. We've been carrying around stones of, of, of a relationship with parents, or people, or past employers, employees, whatever that is. Can I say, God is a big transforming God. He's full of mercy that is new every morning. And today, if you'll take a moment and take those stones that are real hurts and real pains, and instead of throwing them to hurt people and just continuing a conflict, if you'll take them and build an altar to the Lord and surrender. I just can't live this way. These are yours, God. Just take this. Take this. And that's the picture there. Conflict resolution. And so having said that, before you try to resolve anything with any other person, God's got to do a work in you. You need to allow God to do a work in you by taking those stones and creating an altar moment that you surrender unto the Lord. See, what that means is I don't even have to have that other person for my heart to be okay. Because we'll live our life saying, well, they need to do this and they need to do that. Can I tell you, you don't need them to do anything. You need to get, build an altar and surrender them to God. Because if now, if, it's, if your conflict resolution of freedom is dependent upon the other person, you're under their control and you're in a trap that you can't get out of. And so those stones need to be made an altar that you surrender them unto God and then you find freedom. Doesn't even involve that other person. That's between you and the Lord. And so we need to get out of that trap. We're trapped in our own conflict. And here's a thought for you. Conflict cannot continue without my participation. Conflict cannot continue, with, continue without my participation. I decide. I don't have to wait on you. I decide. It begins with you. It begins with me, not the other person. Conflict cannot have its way unless I participate. So I need to choose not to participate. So I'm going to build an altar with these stones. Real stones, real hearts, real anger, real pain, and I'm gonna let the Lord transform me instead of me throwing them back at other people. So instead of praying God to change them, pray God to change you. God, change me. Remember, his mercies are new every morning. So what do I do to have a happily ever after? Number one, I will act, not react. I will act and not react. And don't go to bed mad. Don't let the day go on before you're angry. Here's what it says in Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. Let me give you this scripture. In your anger, do not sin. Don't take it too far. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Really, if you continue on and you don't deal with that or resolve that right away or at least kind of bring some resolution to it, then the devil will get a foothold in your life. Well, I'm just gonna talk to him tomorrow. Okay, go ahead and open up the door. I'm gonna wait a couple days. I'm pretty upset right now. Okay, crack it a little wider. Well, there's a, there's a foothold in here because they're, that's what they did. No, maybe not because you tried to not have resolution. I mean, are you reading the same scripture? Don't, go, don't let the sun go down while you're so angry because you give the devil a foothold. They gave the devil a foothold. Mm. So listen, here's my point in this. You need to have some pre-fight rules. Make some pre-decisions. You need to make them. 
Make some pre-decisions, pre-fight rules. Don't go to sleep before you settle it. Have a plan, let me give you a couple. Have a plan too. Never put it off. The more you put it off, the scripture says, the bigger foothold, and then he's gonna get an arm hold, and he's gonna get a choke hold on you. The more, the more you open the door, never put it off. Number two, never call names. Never call names. I mean, we're quick to go there, right? Never call names. And listen, there's power. We just talked about how powerful your words are. And can I say this? I know it's not a parenting thing. Don't in your anger call your kids names. Speak to their future and their destiny. We wonder sometimes why our teenagers or whatever are are living lives a certain way. Maybe it's because you spoke that into existence over them. Right? Speak to what God has for their life. Speak to the champions God wants them to be. See things that be not as though they are and understand the power of your words. And so let's make sure we're speaking that. Ladies, speak that over your husband, what God has for him, not what he is perhaps at that time. Men, don't speak that over your wife right now. Speak over what God wants him to be, what God's creating him to be. So we gotta not call names. Never raise your voice. Keep it calm, right? It starts to escalate and then everything really goes. And I know houses are different. I mean, when I married into my wife's family, my family's kind of quiet. We're pretty quiet. My wife's family's not so quiet. And so sometimes we'd be talking and I'm like, hey, hey, hey. And she's like, I'm not yelling. This is how we talk in my, when I grew up in my home. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about in your home? I was like, that was like, there was loud or not at all. I mean, it was like, that was it, right? So, but we have to learn not to escalate. And volume and tone are important things. Let me give you this one. Never get historical. There you go. Never get historical. Can I say, women, that's not fair because you have memories that are unbelievable. <laughs> Men can't remember what they did yesterday. That's why sometimes I wear the same shirt three days in a row. I don't know what I wore that day. I don't know what. My daughter didn't dress me. I don't know. It's like, you, don't get historical. Okay, moving on. Never say never or always. Well, you never or you always. That's not true. Never. Never say that. Never. And here's, here's a big one right here. Okay, serious. Here's a big one right here. Never threaten divorce. Don't have it in your vocabulary. Take it off the table. Don't threaten that. Because another one lives in fear and in worry and intimidation. That's just, take it out of your vocabulary. Number two, I will focus on the good things in you. Every day focus on the good. And can I just say, even if it's, well, thank God he's saved, all right? Thank God he's saved. Thank God she's saved. Find something. You can find something, but you need to focus on the goodness because the enemy will fill that vacuum. The enemy will put things in there. And again, I heard someone preach this message. It was fantastic. And, and here's what they said. It's, it's not what are you looking at? It's what do you see? And you need to see through the eye of faith. You need to see what God sees. You need to speak what God speaks. You need to think what God thinks. Why? Then you build an altar and you get closer to him and you have the mind of Christ and you start seeing through the eye of faith and you start speaking words that are prophetic. Focus on the good things. Let's let's take a look at the scripture. Philippians uh, 4.8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. It will help you, because it goes on to say this, and the peace of God will be with you. That's all I want, Pastor. I just want peace in my relationship. Well, you know what? Then you better start thinking differently. You better start focusing differently. You better start speaking differently. Because the result of all this, well, you don't know what they did, but I know if you'll focus on the good things, God will bring peace into your life. This is what it says, and God of peace will be with you. Number three, I will apply God's grace to you. I will apply God's grace to you. Hey, we want it for us. I want it for me. I want God's grace. 
We need to apply that to other people. Romans 12, 19 through 21 says this. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. Leave anything that needs to happen up to God in that regard. That's what it's saying. Don't you worry about revenge or they'll get theirs or whatever this is. You leave that up to the Lord. But then he gives instructions what you are to do in conflict. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed them. What? I want to go back to what you get to do, right? It's going to make me feel better. And God says, oh, no, 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 you're going to mess it up. And that's where we live. Let God do what he thinks is right to do, and you do what God instructs. If your enemy's hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. And I know sometimes that's translated in a way that's like, that's right, God, pour fire down on him, right? Oh, that makes me feel good. But can I say this? I think part of that is that fire back in that day is a, is a commodity, I mean, fire is what they use to cook food. Fire is what they use to light at night. Fire is what they use for heat. Fire is what they use. That's it. I don't think necessarily that has a negative connotation. I think we're looking for ways to bless those that have hurt us. Looking for ways. Goes on to say this. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't get caught up in all that. Now, I know this is not easy. In fact, a lot of you are saying, okay, I hear what you're saying, but it's a little bit impossible. It seems impossible. And that's why we need God to transform us because without him, it is impossible. A successful happily ever after seems improbable in today's world, but it is not impossible. It is unless we will apply God's principles to our life. So we gather stones as an altar to the Lord instead of scatter them to hurt others. But here's the key. Here's the fourth one. Here's the key to how all this works. Here's the power of God released in our life to help. Number four, I will remember God's grace to me. I will remember what God has done for me. If you'll just take a moment in that time and remember, you didn't deserve forgiveness. You didn't deserve your sins washed away. He didn't do anything to be the sacrifice other than his love for you. You walk away from him, we run out on him, we curse his name, we turn our back on him all the time and he's always there. Remember that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll never quit on you, he'll never give up on you, he'll never stop loving you, he'll never stop providing for you, he'll never stop working, stop working things out for your good. Remember what he's done for you. Just remember, before you were so quick, to go respond in conflict, remember what God has done for us. And then just maybe, that'll help us. Find the ability. In fact, every time I remember all he's done for me, I find the capacity to do it for other people. Drop the stones that you intended to scatter and pile them up as an altar before the Lord. Let him transform you. It begins with you. Make a decision. Allow him to do a work on the inside of you. His mercies are new every morning. Let me close with this scripture. Here's the power, 1 John 4, 8 through 12. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever 
But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. If we will love the way God loves us, then his love becomes complete or fulfilling in our heart and our life. God gives us, in other words, God gives us the capacity. You may have to step out in faith, but the power and the capacity to do what seems impossible is possible with God. He is a good and faithful God, but like everything, it all is determined on your relationship with him. The closer you get to God, the more you think like him, talk like him, act like him. We have got to continue to draw closer to him, find ways to do that. I wanna encourage you this morning to find ways to take those stones that, that, have, that represent real hurt, real pain. It's not denying that, but take those instead of throwing them to bring hurt and pain to others, build an altar and find the opportunity to surrender that unto the Lord. Find that time because he'll bring transforming power into your life. Only he can transform. Listen, that's the only way we get out of this 50-50 pile. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.